good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for the welcome again. Audrey and I are always delighted to be here and to share with you. It's, uh, uh, this is a place that's a kind of uh, second home to us. We uh, always know we're welcome here. So it's great to be with you and to share this morning. And I've got a, a, a really cracking story for you from the Old Testament, a, a story that's got absolutely everything from spies to treachery, uh, all sorts of things, uh, and uh, full of excitement, controversy. And it sounds like I'm introducing match of the day or something. But anyway, <laughs> these stories that we have in the Old Testament, they have something very special apart from all that's happening in them. They are the Word of God. And Paul tells us that these stories are written for our instruction. There's a reason for it. So we're not just looking at a great story this morning. We're looking at the Word of God. And we believe he can bring lessons from a story, from something that happened way back so long ago, 3,000 years ago, God can speak to you and me today. That's what we're praying. So uh, the, let me read a few verses to start us off. The, the story uh, actually goes over about three chapters. So if I read those, it would be about one o'clock. So we're going to read a few verses and I'll fill in the story as we go along. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15. The title of the sermon is The King Who Ran Away. 2 Samuel 15. Before this, Absalom has murdered his brother. He's had difficult time getting reconciled to his father. It's all been very tricky. Absalom is not a good guy. Chapter 15, verse 1. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land. Then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. And Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Absalom, the um, king's son, but in this case, we're looking at Absalom's rebellion. And the first thing we've read about him here is that he rose up early. Now, <clears throat> you read that quite often in the Bible about people rising early. And it has nothing at all to do with lessons about how long you sleep or that. It's not that at all. Uh, you find that this is a way of saying, here is what the person's 
priority is. The thing that gets them up in the morning. That's what it's saying. What got Abraham up? God said to him, go and sacrifice your son. And it says Abraham got up early. He wasn't letting a minute pass by until he did the will of God. You hear the same about Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Samson's parents, Hezekiah. They all got up early to do the will of God, but not Absalom. His priority was himself. Uh, it was a, a bid for um, popularity. It was an expression of his energy. The thing that filled his mind and heart was treachery against his father, the king. He made great promises to people when people would come and spend a long time waiting to see David. He would say to them, you know, if, if I was king, you wouldn't have to wait. <laughs> You're right in this and, and I would sort you out. And so he gradually made promises that he never intended to keep and he, all the time he was promoting himself. Let's just apply that for a minute. What do you and I get up early to do? What is the first thing that enters my head in the morning or enters your head? What's the first thing you think about? It's very easy isn't it, to waken up all grumpy and think of, oh no, not another day. There's a prayer for Orthodox Jews uh, when they open their eyes in the morning, the very first thing they do is there is a little prayer that they say to the Lord, like, thank you for a new day. And it ends up with um, Rabah Emunatecha, great is your faithfulness. What a way to start a day to open our eyes and say, thank you, Lord, for a new day. Uh, thank you, Lord, for a new day, and I haven't made any mistakes yet. Please keep it that way. Uh, or just some way of acknowledging that, the, 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 that when we waken up, it's the Lord that we say good morning to first. Absalom wasn't like that. His priority was himself. Our priority should be the Lord. At the end of uh, four years, Absalom said to the king, please let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed to the Lord in Hebron. That seemed innocuous enough, and David suspected nothing. Uh, Hebron was a very important place. It was the place where Abraham was buried, and Isaac, and Jacob, Leah, and it was the place where King David had been crowned king originally. But he suspected nothing. David, his family and army were all sound asleep. <laughs> but Absalom was up early to do mischief. Hebron, there's the vineyards of Hebron today. And there Absalom sent secret messengers throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, proclaim Absalom is king at Hebron. And David suspected nothing at all. And before too long, 
when the rebellion was well underway, David eventually heard about it. David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee. David is the king who runs away. Uh, But wait a wee minute. Who is this man David? Do you remember that he used to tell a story that he was looking after his sheep and a bear came after him, after the sheep? To be honest, most shepherds would do a Usain Bolt at that stage, head for the hills. Most would. But David says, I stood my ground and by the grace of God, I killed a bear. And then he says, do you know what? A lion came after me. Now, I think any wise shepherd would run for the hills when a lion came. David said, no, I I stood my ground, I saved my sheep, and I killed a lion. And then all Israel, they were running hither and thither with great fear because of this big giant Goliath. And David said, what are you scared of? And he took a sling and five stones and faced the big giant and brought him down. So what is it? Why has he run away? What happened? Why did the man who didn't run from the bear, and didn't run from the lion, and didn't run from Goliath, why is he running now? Well, you see, it was a surprise attack. They weren't expecting it. They were sleeping comfortably in their beds while Absalom was working out what to do. And being unprepared, they were unprepared for an attack. That can happen to the church of Jesus Christ. Boy, things have changed in the world since I was a a wee boy. And everybody went to Sunday school, you know. But I know people now wouldn't know the difference between Jonah and Noah. Uh, It's a surprise attack. And sometimes we're we're sound asleep. You know, uh, and Paul points out that this can happen to us even as individuals. And so he says, even as an individual Christian, we have an enemy. And the enemy has got weapons. Fiery darts. What are those fiery darts like? Well, you know, this was some weapon, fiery darts. Paul says you need to be aware of these fiery darts. Uh, When we are not expecting an attack, the enemy can get at us much quicker. And you can get out of touch with God and no longer know the presence of God with you and no longer feel protected by him and a fiery dart can hit you in the heart and say you should doubt your salvation or something goes wrong and you haven't been living close to God and you think why did that happen maybe God's punishing me and the fiery darts keep coming making you doubt the love of God for you Those fiery darts are well positioned for anybody who's not expecting an attack. Doubts and fears 
You think I'm the only one that has doubts. You know, the Lord has forgotten me or I'm not really saved at all or um, why is this happening to me? Maybe the Lord doesn't love me anymore. Oh, those are very powerful fiery darts. And uh, how can I face tomorrow something terrible I don't have control of? In all of that, Paul says there's an answer. Don't be caught by surprise. Don't be like the king who ran away. Take up the whole armor of God. Because you see, we are in a battle. You, you have to expect that being a Christian, that Satan wants to tempt you and test you and take you away from the Lord who loves you. He, he wants to rob you of the joy of your salvation. He doesn't want you to be praising God every day. He doesn't want you to waken up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord. He doesn't want you to be living like that. He wants you to live like a stranger to God. And so Paul says, listen, get that armor on that you may be able to withstand. And uh, fasten the belt of truth, but on the breastplate of righteousness and shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and keep alert in all circumstances. Don't go to sleep spiritually. Take the shield of faith with which you can extinguish those fiery darts. Take the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit. In other words, keep in touch with God and he'll protect you against those fiery darts. Get to know his word, plan to read it and to study it. And above all, keep alert. We are soldiers of Jesus Christ and the enemies just around the corner. Don't be taken by surprise. He wants to attack you. And when you're tempted to give up, that's just a fiery dart coming your way. Now we come to meet another person in the story, and his name is Ahitophel. Ahitophel was a very good counselor, an extremely good politician, a very wise man. Uh, There was a kind of rumor around that if you had a question, uh, a decision to make, and you couldn't get an answer from God, the, the kind of rumor that was around was, well, if you can't ask God, ask Ahitophel. You'll probably get the same answer. He was that good. And uh, Ahitophel uh, was David's friend, as well as his counselor, highly respected. And yet he joined the rebellion against David. Why? Well, if you read the commentaries, you will learn that he is the grandfather of Bathsheba. And if you read your Bible, you'll see that's very unlikely. So don't, read every, don't believe everything you read in the commentaries. The commentaries will tell you he led the rebellion probably because he was the grandfather of Bathsheba. The Bible doesn't say that. It's always dangerous to put two and two together. So don't believe everything you read in the commentary. Check it in the Word of God. And if you check it in the Word of God, you will find that Bathsheba's father had the same name as one of Ahitophel's sons. And if that was the same person, 
then he would be her grandfather. But the Bible doesn't tell you that's the same person. Don't you hear sometimes that people have the same name? Like you go to our family. Granda James was a very important person. So when the firstborn was born, you've got Wilson's James, Samuel's James, uh, John's James, and Jim's James. So you can have a lot of people with the same name. So because the name was the same, doesn't really mean that he was her grandfather. It meant that his son had the same name as her father had. That's all. So there must be another reason why he rebelled. In fact, to tell you the truth, if he really was her grandfather, he never would have attacked David, her husband, because he would have put her and her son Solomon in mortal danger. So ignore the commentaries on that one, I think. You work it out. Anyway, Ahithophel was the Old Testament Judas. Many think that Psalm 41, verse 9, is Ahithophel that David is talking about when he says, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one I shared my bread with, has turned against me. And you see close friend there. In Hebrew, that is the word shalom. My, the, uh, my shalom, my friend. The friend, literally, he was the friend of my peace. The person I thought I was getting on with. And he turned against me. And that, that was, made him the kind of Old Testament uh, Judas. So why did he do it? Well, when Absalom asks him for advice, David has fled. He's way out there in the darkness. And they're gathering together in Jerusalem. The victorious army of Absalom. We've got into Jerusalem. What do we do now, Ahithophel? And this is what Ahithophel said. Ahithophel said, let me choose 12,000 men and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him when he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic. And all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king. What do you notice about that advice? I will do this, I will do that, and I will do the other thing. The reason why, this guy's ambitious. He wants, I think he wants to be the, possibly the next king himself. He certainly wants to be everybody to know that he's the one who will get the victory. But David had a spy that he left in Jerusalem, uh, an older man who was also a counsellor, never had the reputation that Ahithophel had. And uh, David sent him back, and, and, and this man was called Hushai. And Hushai said, David, how will I ever stand against Ahithophel? And David says, whatever he says, you say the opposite. That'll be fine. Uh, and uh, so when uh, Ahithophel said, let me do this, and I do that, and I will do this, and I will conquer David, Hushai says, that doesn't sound right to me, Absalom. Why don't you take the lead? And uh, let all Israel be gathered together. Let's make a big show of this, Hushai says. He knew Absalom was a proud man, you see. 
He says, let's make a big show of this and uh, gather together all the people from Dan to Beersheba as the sand by the seashore and you go to battle in person. Oh, Absalom liked that sort of thing. He liked the glory. And Hushai saved David's life because that was the advice that let him go. But, you know, it wasn't just Hushai that was on David's side. Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. By the way, Ahithophel went and hanged himself. He wasn't going to get any glory out of this. He knew it was over. He knew he was beaten. The Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel. It was all to do, you know, sometimes in the story you almost think that God is hidden. There isn't much talk of God. But there, in the background, all the time, from Genesis to Revelation, God is working his purposes out. And all the time that Ahushai was giving advice, it was God who encouraged them to take his advice. The Lord had ordained to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. The Lord looked as if he was hidden while Absalom was going about his business for four years. It looked as if the Lord wasn't doing anything. But you know, in the Bible, when you find times when it looks as if the Lord isn't doing anything, when it looks as if he's hidden, you can be sure he's never absent. And there are times in our lives, there are times in the Bible, when the babies were being thrown into the river, it looked as if God was absent. But he was raising up a deliverer from one of those babies. And the cross of Calvary is the best example, really. It looked as if God was hidden while Jesus died on the cross. And yet at that time, when it looked as if God was doing nothing, he was doing his greatest work in providing for the salvation of men and women, boys and girls. You see, God is always right away back in Genesis. God said he would put enmity between the seed of the woman. God declared there was war against the evil one right from the very start. And uh, today we are still part of that war. But God is on the victory side. He knows times in your life and in my life when maybe we don't feel God all that close. There are times when we might feel that we're forsaken. But you know, Jesus was forsaken for you and me so that we wouldn't have to be. So that we could have God, the assurance that even in the darkest night, God will never leave us uh, nor forsake us. We do not, when we feel defeated, we're not defeated because we're on the winning side. Now we turn to David and how he reacted to that in the last few minutes. How did David react to all that was happening? Well, a great battle took place. Uh, after some days, it's time for David to get organized, which was Hushai's plan and the Lord's plan. David got organized, uh, but uh, his general, Joab, said, don't you go out to battle because I'll take control of this. If you go out and get killed, all will be lost. Let me take charge. 
Uh, Joab was David's nephew. He's often called the son of Zeruiah. Z-E-R-U-R-I-A-H. Usually when it says son of somebody in the Bible, it is uh, son of a man, you know, usually. This was a woman, David's big sister. So I don't know what she was like, but she had some sons that weren't, that you didn't cross. <laughs> and Joab was one of them. Joab says, I'll take control. And so Joab took control. And as he went out, David said, uh, be careful. I don't want anything to happen to Absalom. In spite of all that Absalom had done, he said, deal gently for my sake with the young man. Joab crosses his heart and, you know, hopes to die and all the rest of it. Says, assures the king, there's no problem. And as soon as he gets a chance, he murders. Well, he would say, executes Absalom. He saw this as justice. Joab's justice. He was disobedient. He broke his promises. He was ruthless. And he was justice without mercy. David, some of the saddest verses in this story. David couldn't cope when he heard that Absalom... He didn't care that they'd won the victory. He couldn't cope because Absalom, his son whom he loved, was dead. The king was deeply moved. Listen to these words. The king was deeply moved. Can you get the picture? He went up to the chamber, up the stairs. People are watching him. The tears are tripping him. And he weeps. And he goes up the stairs slowly saying, Oh, my son, Absalom. My son, my son, Absalom. I wish I had died instead of you, my son, my son. Isn't that moving? That's love. Joab went for justice. David went for love. Uh, David never stopped. Oops. No, 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 no. <laughs> David never stopped loving Absalom in spite of all that he'd done. Oh, I'm sure you can apply that. God never stops loving us in spite of all that we've done. You can apply that, can't you? David never stopped loving Absalom in spite of himself. And so, but these two aspects are in the Bible. Love and justice. And they meet at the cross. Love and justice meet at the cross. Because, as we've seen this morning, God loved the world. But at the cross, sin was punished for you and for me so that you and I would not need to be punished. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, was the sign above the cross because he was the king who never ran away. David, in spite of all his greatness, he ran away. Thank God today that for you and for me, Jesus Christ was the king who didn't run away so that he could bring us peace with God. I'm sure you've guessed what Absalom's name comes from. Well, there's Av, which means father, 
and as Shalom, his name meant Father of Peace. But real peace, we can leave this morning with peace in our hearts because Jesus came to make peace by satisfying the judgment of God on our sins. He made peace by the blood of his cross. And we can leave this morning with a new spring in our step. If you don't know the Lord, talk to us. Trust him today. Put your faith in him. Ask him into your heart. And if you do know the Lord, then you can leave here with a peace of sins forgiven, the peace of knowing God is in control, the peace of knowing he will never leave you, and the peace we will live with him forever. I think I should leave it there. That's enough for us to think about the king who ran away points us to the king who didn't run away because he loves you. And no matter what we face today, he'll be with us because that love will never fail. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Castlereagh Fellowship podcast. For more podcasts, Bible teaching videos, and to see what's going on at the church, please visit our website, castlereaghfellowship.com. God bless.